Welcome to the journey of an aesthete, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. It's Frank Lemondola there. Speaking. Frank, this is Mitch Hampton, and you're on Journey of an Aesthete podcast. Hey, Mitch, how are you? I'm great because I'm talking with you. I don't even know. <laughs> I just like to laugh because I'm looking at your bio and your resume and all your accomplishments, and you, you've done so much that I really, I I really. When I look at it, when I look at it, I feel like I've lived many lifetimes. That's very you know, clear. <laughs> many, many lifetimes within a single lifetime. So um, I'm just going to do a little introduction. Um, I, I uh, have many kinds of guests on my show. Some I've met personally. Some I don't know. I believe you are a friend of Wally Strickland, our producer, right? So she yes. brought me your att your attention, and I uh, looked at what you've done. And, and I have to say one of the things that um, I like doing on my show is having people that are very different from me, that have, you know, have skills that I suck at, for example, or do things I've never even tried. And you are, you know, I don't cook, and I, don't, I can't stitch or sew or... Uh, seem to save my life, and, and you excel at these. So you're, uh, among many things, you are a, a master chef. It looks like a baker, um, uh, make cakes, and you also, I believe, are, are quite uh, adept at making handbags, purses, um, luggage, um, other things of that nature. Uh, do you mind uh, going back in time, talking about Queens or New York, and talking about how you came to have all these many talents and the journey of your particular skills. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks. So, well, I, I mean, I was always a creative person, even as a young, very young child, um, always liked to sketch and draw and like just create things. And it was in, and of course in, in grammar school and high school, I continued showing a lot of interest in that. And it was actually in high school, right before I was about to graduate, one of my art teachers, for some reason, I was really fascinated with sketching fashion. That you know, not necessarily designing it, but sketching it. I just like the, the sort of the flow and the stylized yeah. look of it. And his suggestion was maybe you should look into going to fashion school. Yep. So I took the suggestion, and I did that. And I studied illustration. Oh, um, wow. And then I worked as a fashion illustrator in the early 80s. Do you mind, do you mind if I – hold on. That, that's, that's so much richness in just that. So I'm going to pause you there. That's fantastic. So sure. a lot of our audience might not know. A lot of the, of course, top not just fashion designers uh, but also painters, even um, high art, fine artists uh, have, have background in illustrating fashion. And, uh, yeah. and you are, of course, someone that was in the thick of all that and of all times the 80s. So what – uh, talk more about that, those experiences or what comes to mind when you think about those days and doing that particular kind of, uh, or the craft of fashion illustration, which is an art form all onto itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and back then I remember I was sort of so inspired by, I mean, there was, a, there were many fashion illustrators that would get their work published weekly in like New York times mm -hmm. and in women's wear daily. I mean, Today, it's mostly photography, but back in the 80s, it was all illustrated. That's right. And um, so there, there was definitely, as you said, there was sort of like very well-known fashion illustrators back back then that I really looked at and it, that inspired me. And yeah, so 
And it was a whole fashion scene back then. It was a lot different. I mean, it was like Studio 54 and, oh, yeah. and just, yeah, it was just, it was actually a lot of fun when I think about it. And um, Did you go to 54? So yeah, I did. I did. I, well, I, did, I didn't necessarily go when it was like, like, you know, when the celebrities were there. I kind of like was able to go afterwards. I mean, I was right out of high school. That's crazy. Um, so you got there, a couple of years. Oh, you got you got to give me at least one story about a night at fifty four, just for five minutes. <laughs> where, um, where, it was it's... it was it was pretty uneventful. I mean, yeah. I remember the person I went with, uh, my friend that I went with, who also, by the way, um, went to the same design school as I went to, and he and I went to Studio Fifty Four. I remember, and it was the first time for me, and. I remember the music that it was like the the song that was playing that stuck in my head was Madonna's Borderline. Like I remember oh, wow. that song playing. Oh wow! I remember there being a big moon, like a crescent moon. Oh, they still that had that. Over the, that was a big. That was, yeah, it was a big. Yeah, that's sort of like iconic, right? I think that was Ian Schrager's. Um, I think that was his his idea. I don't, I don't know if I'm mistaken. I'm about, a, about an expert on Fifty Four, but go ahead, go ahead. It's been well, Madonna. Yeah, that was Madonna's great period musically, right? I mean, she kept just yeah. just extraordinary pop song after pop song, and just really yep. totally unique, totally unique. And I just remember having a really good time with him. It was just like a lot of, you know, a lot of fun dancing and listening to really good music. And yep. Yeah. But you know, things are a lot different today. But huh. um, yeah, it always yeah. When I think of I think of that period, I always think of you know sort of like that experience. And but I was really. You know, when I was in design school, I was really focused on school. I mean, I, yeah. I, I spent most of my time just doing the projects that I was given and, and really trying to excel in, in that particular field. And I really loved it. I mean, I was really, you know, it was new. And I, and I saw that there was an opportunity, you know. And when I left school, I mean, I, I, it was like a three-year program. Yeah. And what school? I, may I ask what what school was this? Was this Parsons or where was where was? No, the name of the school at the, it no longer exists, but at, oh. at the time it was called Traphagen School of Fashion. Okay, and then it was in Gramercy Park South. Oh, that's a beautiful uh, location. And it was a really yeah, it was like sort of a school that like designers like Halston and Anne Klein. And they went there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's amazing. The other designers sort of escaped me at the moment. But it was a, it was it was definitely like old school, no no yeah. pun intended, and yeah. um, it was great. It, and it was a small school, much smaller than like an a fashion institute technology. Um, so t- so although take, I ended up going there. Take us back. This is interesting. Hold that thought because I because you know a lot of people, you know, when a decade like the '80s leaves its mark, for better and for worse, uh, people often look back 20, 30, 40 years later, just like they do the '70s, right? Um, and, but every, every era has a uniqueness. So when you think about the, the styles of the eighties in that period, I don't know, 82 to 85, what comes to mind? Like what kinds of silhouettes were you drawing or what were the, what were the, if you had to sort of talk about it sort of objectively, you know, descriptively rather than, you know, what was, what was that, what were people wearing in general, would you say? If that yeah, I do. From what I can recall, there were two. I mean, there was two different vibes happening. One was the sort of the Oscar de la Renta's, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, like um, Isaac Mizrahi. I remember Isaac Mizrahi. Yeah, he just started back then. But it was like these big, like fall, like um, almost like ball gown type That's of right. taffeta. A lot of taffeta, oversized prints. 
Mm-hmm. Very like, classic with like a modern edge to it, the way I recall it. And then there was sort of like the beginning of like punk rock mm-hmm. and like, you know, zippers and safety pins everywhere, you know, like really exaggerated shoulders. Epilence. Also like Terry Mugler. Terry Mugler. Um, his, yeah, his designs were very like avant-garde. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like a, a contrast between like modern classic and sort of avant-garde, you know. So punk. It was, it was interesting. It's very interesting. That's, why, that's why I asked you to speak about it because you were there in the thick of it and you were – and also there's a there's a, there's a um, – I don't know. There's a special. There's a um, something about drawing clothes, drawing fabric. Talk about that a little bit because that is a special um, entry into fashion, right? It's different than it's, its own world as opposed to sewing actual clothes or you know, right? Right. So it's in- it is interesting because for me as an artist, I looked at now that I didn't maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but I I could realize it now, um, and I share this with my students because I teach fashion now. Is that it's almost like, like I look at it back then, I looked at it more as being like sculptural, like form and shape and volume, as opposed to like, like fabric. And, you know, it happens to be fabrics that were creating this, but, yeah. you know, so I looked at as an artist and as, as an illustrator, it would be, you know, sort of like form and shape. Yeah. Um, and then it wasn't until years later that I started to actually sort of show more interest in like actual uh, garment construction that's wow. like how are those forms actually created created yeah and of course the relationship between the fat the fiber and the cloth and the design those, those are right those are right and so you're starting to you're drawing these illustrations and what was the year or what period of time did you start actually getting your hands on cloth and you know and going to going to that side of it if you had to if you had to pick it a was, time it was sort of like i would say it was a good like 10 years after that, I mean, I really focused on just illustrating and never really think, I always, to me, it was always like design is different than illustration and my, my strengths and my, my sort of, you know, passion isn't, isn't drawing the fashion, not necessarily designing it. Mm-hmm. And a friend, a very, another friend of mine who graduated from the same school, um, who, who was a designer, not necessarily an illustrator, um, started teaching at some of the fashion schools in Manhattan. And I remember taking one of her courses in clothing. And I think it was um, dress, like basic dressmaking or pattern oh, making wow. or something. And it was, it, it took me a while to sort of like start understanding, okay, like what does a garment look like flat? Mm-hmm. And then, and that, that, then that became a real strong interest of mine and a passion of like how to, how to construct a pattern. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of other stuff that happened in between that, but mm-hmm. it was in, it wasn't until then. And each, you know, and it's not just any like fabrics react differently. You know, the weight of the fabric and, and the, right. the the softness and all that stuff it it, act, it acts differently. I think I think that really came about more now that I think about it. And I'm telling you all this. Yeah. Um. When I when I got into designing the handbags. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's that's later on. If you wanted to go there now, we could, but. But I was thinking that maybe no. we, because you you've had such a again you've had many careers and I feel like there's a period of time before that. Um, so if you don't mind staying on staying before we get sure. to the bigs, but so yeah, I don't really know. It, it fascinates me. I remember I was very fortunate to have a model on my show, uh, Sunny Redmond, who worked a lot with Halston, and um, mm-hmm. she she talked a lot about um, and also um, Oscar De La Renta and. Uh, 
couple other names, Xander Rhodes, maybe, I don't know. But one of the things everybody talked about was how every fabric is different, right? And how, for example, linen, totally different than wool crepe, is different than rayon, right? Um, you know, different kinds of cottons. And, and so you were learning that, right? You were finally realizing, you know, yeah, it's not just the fabric, it's how you, what you can design with a certain fabric, right? Exactly. And in fact, I had a course that it was, it was a, um, I think it was like watercolor. And in, in that course, they taught you how to render all the different fabrics, like oh. satin and taffeta and like wool and like how to create texture. Yeah. You know, so from an, from an illustrator's uh, standpoint, it's like, you know, like, like to your point, like the differences between the fabrics and, you know, the way, the way they look and the way they drape on the, on the human body. Yeah, it's really been bringing me back in time. My very first girlfriend in Bo when I was living in Boston in the 80s wore a lot of Anne Klein. You mentioned Anne Klein. That was a big 80s yeah. name, right? A Anne Klein at, at the Limited, I think, or I don't remember whether, well, again, this is a different era, but uh, it just bringing me back, bringing me back to that. Yeah, that. and it was really, like for me, Anne Klein, I, I, when I think of Anne Klein, it, it's sort of like the, the look similar to Donna Karen when Donna yeah. Karen first came out, it was all about like women, like empowering women in the workforce. Like that's what I think of like yeah. the, the sort of like the, the, the clothing that like a successful woman would wear right. in the office. Like, you know, like almost like man tailored, but a little like the feminine twist. Um, but that was like a big part in the early eighties actually. Sure. What kind of stuff were you wearing personally at that time in terms of clothes? I oh, mean, gosh. that was, I mean, I don't know, Jane Barnes, or I'm just putting my um, well, not, well, being a student, not working, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't even remember. You don't remember. I, 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 yeah, I wasn't, and again, because I wasn't, I didn't consider myself, even though I was going to fashion school, to be like a fashion, like a fashionista. I was an artist. Okay. You know, yeah. you know but I, that's, a, that's a good question, because I, but I always loved clothing, yeah. but, you know, not having, you know, the kind of finances, I guess, as a student sure. that I would. But I remember other students, what other students wore. Well, the, really, like, the 80s, I mean, it was funny. Yeah. The 80s was a time of really kind of prominent designers, right? Like a like a Armani or like a yeah. like, like a Jane Barnes or I don't know who. There was so many. Uh, there so yeah. many at that time, right? Yeah, like, and then I get, like, late 80s, early 90s, it was all about Versace. 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 Yeah. Yeah, like the whole, that whole movement. Um yeah. Interesting. But I mean, fashion, I, what I've learned over the years too, is like, it's sort of cyclical. I mean, it things, it comes back in a different way though, like a little twist to it. But I mean, even my illustrations, I, you know, I save everything and I still yeah. have um, my work from when I was in high school and, and on I'd social media, once in a while I'll post something. And it, it's, it. yeah. You know, unless you look at the date, I mean, it looks, some of it looks very current. <laughs> there you, know, you go. So there you go. It's sort of interesting. It is interesting. Wow. I'm glad you saved all that. It's really important. Any create, I think any creative person or artist should save, I mean, not save everything, of course. There's st some stuff you got to get rid of, but I guess knowing what's important and, and not important, you know, I guess you save what's important. Yeah. And also, I, get, I guess you probably found that things are useful, right? I'm sure you've saved things that you use later, maybe, or is that encouraging? Yeah. And, and well, I save it also because it's, sometimes I forget like what I created or, you know, and I look at it and i and often I'm like, I'm like impressed. I was like, Oh wow, that was pretty good. You know? And that was how many years ago? Like I have pieces and I dated everything. Yeah. I mean, I, 
1977, 1980. Wow. I and mean, we're talking like many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and it's fun because sometimes when I look at it, like I'll share it with my students and they're like wow. so blown away by it. I know I, I have, I have some old M magazine. Remember that um, from the eighties? I said, saved a couple of those. That's in the eighties. It was M- kind of M? Like M, M. It was by, uh, oh, M. yeah, it was kind of a sort of a higher end version of GQ. It was kind of a snooty or GQ. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't last that long. Rob, Brian Green, I think was the guy that, Robert Bryan, I think it was, he was the guy that, um, that, um, it was a Fairchild publication. Uh, so this is, this is actually just came to me, this story about fashion illustration. So, yeah. so, you know, I was illustrating and I had my favorite fashion illustrators back in the, you know, when I was in school and fast forward, you know, and I meet a, met a lot of people in the city over the years. And, um, I had, this is going back maybe like only 15 years ago, I, I had a, a friend of mine was taking fashion drawing, like after, like it was an, an adult thing um, at FIT, Fashion Institute yeah. of Technology. And uh, it was like, oh, why don't you join us? So I said, okay. So it was fun. They they had like a model. They played classical music. Wow. And who in walks one of my, like one of the fashion illustrators that I was so inspired by back in the day, mm-hmm. who actually works at the school, Stephen Sippelman. Oh, wow. And in it, and I was so freaked out by him, oh, by him being there that I couldn't even draw. Like I was, uh, I, I like froze. So you really, you, it was a classical but, case of freezing out of ner- nervousness because this was your, your yeah, era. yeah. It was That's kind of funny actually, but it was such an honor to watch him just create like his work. Yeah. I mean, it's just so it had so much style to it. I mean, it was amazing back then and it's equally as, as amazing now. Plus, plus being the nicest guy you ever want to meet. I mean, he's really. And I let him know that I was in awe of his work, so that kind of like that's great helped break the ice a little bit. But you, I'm just funny. curious what he what he had to say after that response to, to, to when he saw him that. What he yeah, he was he was very humbled. I mean, he yeah. wasn't you know, but it was funny because he walked into the to the um, to the studio space where we were doing this, and he had like a cart, like a like a push cart oh, filled wow. with like brushes and and markers and all kinds of like wow. paint and like supplies and i was like oh god and i didn't realize at first who he was yeah and i was like god this this person's like really serious about this yeah. and it turns out it was people steven stippleman stippleman right off uh, there's been a lot of stuff recently i don't know not to get too far off topic but uh if you, if you watch turner classic movies they're doing a lot of fashion stuff now I don't know if you've been watching, doing like a series and talking about Travis Batten and Adrian and, you know, the, the old Hollywood. Yeah, I haven't. I don't really watch a lot of, I mean, like I have Netflix, I have all the, but I don't really, I spend a lot of time creating, I mean, yeah, you're you know, busy. at least on the floor, but I spend a lot of my time either actually creating stuff or yeah. watching like how-to videos on <laughs> how to create stuff. But my downtime, it's weird. It's not weird. I mean, I don't need to say that, but it's my, my quote unquote free time is really spent create like creating or thinking about what my next project is going to be, creative project is going to be. So, yeah, so it's, I guess I'm missing out it in the sense that I'm not allowing myself to watch these great series or films or whatever, but. I mean, I only, I only mentioned it because you're talking about, you know, the best of the studio system and it's similar, talking about similar things, you know, people that join, Drawings Coco Chanel's for for Betty Davis or for whomever you know it's kind of it's kind of mm-hmm. the um 
you know, it would interest you. But but I'm just wondering um, if you could take me back to when you first, well, when did you get the idea to make handbags or purses? And what and talk about that because that's a whole. That seems like a whole separate thing on yeah, itself. Well, you know, so I worked like I was saying. I worked as a fashion illustrator in the city, and I was being I worked. I, I was hired by an agency, an advertising agency, and I was being brought around to different showrooms. And they would just plot me in the showroom, and I would. They asked me to sketch the collection. You know, oh, and back wow. then they used to do like catalogs, like like illustrated catalogs. Yeah. And so I, I had, you know, I spent a couple of years doing that. And then I, I also did graphics, you know, like logo design and graphic design. Mind, mind you, this was not computer generated. It was like hand painted, hand rendered. rendered. It's beautiful. And I, I remember a friend of mine, um, I had worked for a label company, someone who like, that a company that manufactured labels. I mean, that's the kind of work I was doing also. Interesting. And a friend of mine told me about a, a job opening in the city. It was a handbag company, but they were looking for a graphic person to design hang tags, the, the tags that hang up. And back then that was like almost like a, an art form. Every oh, collection wow. had a separate hang tag. So that's what I did for this one company. But, you know, being there as a full-time artist, in-house artist, they needed someone to sketch a bag or two. So I did that. And then I just, next thing I know, it's like sketching more bags and designing more bags. Wow. And then realizing, like, there was travel involved. You know, they, they, yeah. the company liked what I did. That's good. Um, That's good. And there's travel involved. Also. Yeah. Everything was made overseas. So there was a lot of trips to Taiwan and Hong Kong and China, and which was fascinating. Plus there was a lot of trips to Italy and Paris oh, wow. and London. For like inspiration, sure. So it's like, who would have thought? You know, like yeah. I had no. It was not like on my, you know, my my plan, my vision plan, yeah. or anything like that in terms of my career. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just went with it, and I realized as I was doing it, you know, that but going to what we were saying earlier about the fabrics and how you know different leathers and different yeah. you know qualities of fabric treat differently. It doesn't matter whether it's on a human or on a on a bag, but. Um, it just it just created a lot of interest in me and and I just kept I kept with it you know and I was and I remember I, I eventually left that company I went to another company yeah um, and every time I moved around there was just more opportunity learning up uh, you know learning experiences creative opportunities and and also financial opportunities Absolutely. so so it was cool well do you mind discussing and, uh, to get more a little more philosophic uh, you you right now you were well, of course, we'll get to we'll get to cakes in a, in, in a bit and, and food. But right now, you are very much known for your handbags, and, and so this seems to be something you really are knowledgeable about. Um, what yeah. would you What would you say? Um, of course, bags are very important um, for in female fashion, right? Women's fashion, handbags versus. What if you had to pick uh, the first time when you kind of realized that this was something that you really loved or something that was special? Was there a particular type of bag that that you say, well, this bag is a, is a step forward for me that you designed or something that, you know, kind of something that it took your journey to a neck to the next level, if that makes sense. Do you, do you remember what yeah. that would be? Well, I'm, that's a great question. I look at it, you know, I never thought of it as like, this is a, like, like I never really approached it, especially in the beginning of my handbag design career as a favorite shape of a bag versus something else. I, I looked at it as, trying to understand like what sold 
a handbag? Like, why does mm-hmm. why what why does a consumer? And I design men's bags, women's bags, kids' bags. But what about the bags? There's like almost like a, a science behind designing product that mm-hmm. sells, you know. Yeah. And and so I came from that. It sort of took that approach, like trying to understand. Okay, these are the best sellers from let's say last season. How can we update that and, and create new product that's going to be best seller? That's so right. it was a little different. It was coming from more of a commercial mm-hmm. standpoint than, than an artistic, I mm-hmm. guess, standpoint. But at some point, it has to be a, you know sort of a combination of the two. Sure. Um, well, that that in itself is a, even if your motivation is commercial. Um, I think commercial things also have integrity or can have integrity. That that's just the um, yeah. I mean, that's uh, I see commercial things as a way for something to get off the ground. It's like a foundation. So right, you're looking mm-hmm. at a, you're looking at an old older season. You're saying, well, we need to change that. What sold a lot? That's just gathering information, right, about culture and, yeah. and society. It seems to me if I if I were designing handbags, that would be the first thing I would do. That makes a lot of sense to me somehow. I don't know, you know, yeah. I don't know why anybody would do it any other way. And, you know, not to, not to be too, I just, it makes sense to me as all of me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of how I went about doing it. And it, and then looking at other like sort of competitors and like trying to figure out their successes and their, their failures and like, why, mm-hmm. like what makes their product better than someone else's, you know, or, or, you know, more saleable or more popular. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that, um, there was a lot of that, especially in the beginning. I mean, it's still today, you know, and we're talking like th- decades, like three decades later, Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I could look at a bag and say, that's a good sell. Like I could immediately get a sense of a bag that would sell versus a bag that might have a little more of a challenge selling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then it really depends on who you're selling it to, right. Who the customer is. Sure. You know, there's all different levels of retail and, sure, sure. you know, high-end, mid-tier, low-end, that type of thing. But well, do, do I, mean, mind... I just love all of the, every, all the aspects of it, the marketing part of it, yep. the design part of it. Do, do, do you mind fast-forwarding? Because, of course, the, 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 the information you sent me, there's the, this graffiti theme. Which is incredible, yeah. And that, and that, I looked at that and it was so striking. So very bald, very striking. This graffiti. Talk about is that going too far ahead? Because that's the present, but no, it just no, no. come. So it just yeah, that, it's fascinating. That collection that was about that was back in like 2018, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was working as a design consultant, and I I was going after factories that needed design help. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like a good target for me to, to 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 sort of expand my consulting business as a handbag designer. And the one factory I approached um, said, "We want you need to have your own line." Like they 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 oh, heard wow. my story, they saw my work, and they're like, "You need to have your own line." So I thought, like, I don't want to do that. I just want to make more money. Like, you know what I, mean? like <laughs> I, I guess I had very little confidence in the fact that I could watch my own collection. And as a designer, I mean, that, that was sort of my, like, secret. That's what I really wanted, but I was afraid, I guess. So what, what, um, would, you it, say, what but, would you say your, your fear was? It your, is your fear that your if you had your own line, it would not take off and make money? Was that one fear? Or is it, I don't want to speak for you. Um, you only, need, only you know yeah. your, your own heart. Well, but, a couple, I think there, there's many different parts of that feeling of fear. It was fear of... Um, you know, and this is, I'm talking like, like I said, years and years and years of designing handbags and just 
I mean, you know, not feeling like qualified, I guess. Which, mm. I mean, that could be a whole other episode. Other, could, yeah. yeah, not feeling good enough or, uh. or feeling like it's, you were saying like, you know, that there's a sense of failure, what if yeah. you work, you know, like all this stuff that I know I'm not the only person that struggles sometimes with those things. I mean, that's but all, had, that's all, know, of course, natural psychologically, but of course, objectively speaking, it's ironic because, you know, the very qualities that make you a success are the things we've been talking about since the episode started, all that experience and knowledge. That's all going to, yeah. right? You're going to bring all that to the table. And, and you know, that seems to me. Um, but, you so, know, yeah. and I think it took this stranger, you know, a person I really didn't know, um, yeah. to see something in me that I was actually not able to see and, like, to be willing to support. So it was a factory who was willing to support me developing a, a collection of handbags. And, yeah. and I'm going to get back. I'm going to get on to the graffiti. That's where the graffiti came about. Yeah. So, so I put this collection of bags together, and the factory is based out of India. So I got to travel to India twice. Wow. Was the first time for me in, in my whole career. Uh-huh. And, um, and I just wanted to create product different. I mean, and, and because I'm an artist, and, you know, I thought, like, what's going to separate me from, you know, another up startup? handbag company and so i felt like but i and i love the idea of graffiti and it sort of was like a trend at that moment and i thought well i'm not going to try to be being a like because graffiti art is like an art in itself yeah so you know what let me just reach out and this is kind of funny to new york graffiti artists oh yeah or it didn't have i think i just focused on the city because i wanted to be able to work with them like one-on-one and i i posted i remember i posted something on linkedin not linkedin not craigslist Mm -hmm. Because I knew most graffiti artists probably aren't on LinkedIn, they're probably going crazy. And I got really interesting, like, responses, like, yo, <laughs> like, emails that were right. like, you know, it was kind of funny. Anyway, I... I well, it's, it's funny, while, while this is going on, there's a retrospective of Wild Style. And, you know, that movie and that, so, in other words, there's all these, these reunions and retrospectives about, of 80s graffiti Art and culture, right when this is happening. Yeah, it's an interesting. Like the whole Keith Haring. I mean, yeah, all right. of that. Ch- Charles Ahern's Wild Style is the is the film. Great film. So anyway, so I, I I connected with this graffiti artist. I told him what I was trying to accomplish, like the look. I mean, and it's like collaborating with another artist. It's great when they, you get that, like you kind of both get like on the same plane, like the creative plane, mm-hmm. so to speak. And and then there was a messaging behind it. You know, it was. Like the whole brand messaging I thought that I wanted to convey was, you know, empowering women through design. Uh-huh. So we took the graffiti as a vehicle and just be able to use like messaging through the graffiti art. And he created the, the art. I mean, he created the art and the, the factory uh-huh. in India was able to duplicate it over and over and over again. It was incredible. Like and it, how they they're able to do that. I don't even know, quite frankly, how they do it. You mean, you're it. talking it about in, in, in terms of the consistency, right? It's just consistent. Yeah. They can keep. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. So that was how that graffiti piece came about. There was, that was part of a, a, a much, you know, not much, but a larger collection of bags, you know, and, um, but, it, but I have to say out of all the bags in that collection, that, that was the group that stuck, st- stood out the most. I mean, mm-hmm. the people that, you know, cause it's very bold and it's very graphic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's why I meant I brought it up. I mean, I'm thinking this is really something and really striking. 
Um, but I'm sure I'm sure there are things you want to talk about before that, before now, because you're you're, you're starting to, to develop bags. Um, what other things come into your mind about those years when you're really on really making bags and purses and anything? You could you can just uh, whatever pops into your into your consciousness. Yeah, I mean the the early years of designing bags for me was all about it was just like one great experience after another, and I mean great experiences, but also learning a lot about myself as a professional designer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Um, there's a competitive side to me. Mm-hmm. There's a, an insecure, you know, it's like mature, it's almost like maturing in my, in my, my career, um, you know, and being able, you know, the experiences of being able to work with people from other cultures, you know, mm-hmm. people from India or people, right. well, that was later people from China or people from Italy or, you know, and, and just having that, that amazing experience and, and, you know, and, and not, and realizing that it's a collaboration, you know, like I can come up with a design, but there's a pattern maker that actually can create the 3D mm-hmm. version of my design. And then there's a, a, someone who sews who can make a finished bag and there's someone who prints, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a lot of different sort of um, in people that get involved in, like, I don't know if uh, like the, the everyday consumer realizes this, but like all that goes into making a product you know there's a lot of different moving parts mm-hmm. um, so that was that was like a that that kept me going for many many years just like that experience of you know and then the the, the satisfaction of being able to create something and then actually see it i mean to me that was the biggest one of the biggest um you know thrills was that you know, like working, a lot of these factories, you know, they'll give you an office to work in, but then there's like the, the sewing room and being able to work, walk in the sewing room and actually seeing your bags being sewn to me was like, I got to, and I used to get yelled at all the time because they thought I was disturbing the, the sewers, but I would be like in awe of watching these, these talented workers like create my designs, you know, that, that to me was like one of the most satisfying, and still is one of the most satisfying um, experiences. It sounds like it. I mean, it would be. I mean, that's that's a real, real um, honor to, well, to, to to see it, see it from beginning to finish, right? From starting and then you seeing it, made, yeah, seeing see, it, and, and to and to see how satisfied this, let's say, for example, the one, the people who sew the bag, like to when they're finished with it, to hold it up to show me, and just like the expression on their face, like to me, it's like. Wow! Like mm-hmm. they 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 know they got it. Like they understood what I was trying to accomplish, and sometimes and many times they they take it even a step. They improve it, or they they take mm-hmm. it even a step further, or they know how to to make it better. You know, so it's mm-hmm. really, really, really re- very rewarding to work collective, you know, collaborate collaboratively with mm-hmm. another creative person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have two. You have two souls, you know, working. Yeah. If if they come together like that, you get you get extra. I think. I think at the end, I think. Everybody needs an anchor in life. You, me, just everybody. Anchor made this whole show possible. I'm immensely grateful to them. You too can use Anchor to make your own shows and create your own vision. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. 
um, did you want to, you know, put on your chef's hat because you're a, you're an Italian from New York, right? And I'm from New Jersey, New Jersey. I'm sorry, Originally. from New Jersey, and you are a chef and you're in the world of food. And and I I looked at your bio that you grew up cooking in the kitchen and food is an important part of your family, but um, you took it to another level. How did you, how did you get, how did this happen there? Why did this? It's so interesting, you know, so, you know, design consulting, well, I I actually, it kind of works right into like the whole India launching my own collection. So I was living in the city, Manhattan, working Mm -hmm. and consulting in handbags. Mm -hmm. And I moved back to New Jersey after like 35 years. Wow. Um, Well, I moved back home after 35 years to live with my dad. Oh, wow. Who who actually is turning 97 in August. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, who was also a great cook, by the way. But anyway, so I moved back and... I went through a year, like 2016, where for whatever the reason, my design consulting was sort of like on a lull. It wasn't really happening. And, you know, there was a period where I wasn't really working. Mm-hmm. And I, have a, I had a friend of mine who was hired back in the eight, well, actually in the 90s, mm-hmm. as my assistant in handbag. And that's where she's now. She has two daughters who had graduated or are about to graduate high school, who is working as a... Um, a dean of student affairs at a private old girls high school oh, that wow. happened to be located like a few blocks from where I was living with my father yeah. and Catholic high school. And she contacted me asking me if I'd be interested in teaching part-time mm-hmm. culinary. Oh, she knew I liked to cook. Cause I had, I had it, you know, in between that I was doing a lot of like catering and like hosting parties. And she knew I just loved, plan it's similar to like designing a handbag line like planning a party i think mm-hmm. a lot of planning that goes into it yep. um instead of showing a line of handbags i end up presenting food but in any event so i went into the interview beautiful school i and had no idea that the school even i knew it was there i didn't know what it looked like on the other side of the gate uh, in front of the school it was about 18 acres this huge beautiful campus huh. the kitchen that i would be teaching out of was like my dream kitchen and I think that was part of the reason why I just said yes to taking this job. So um, that was six years, it was five years ago, and there was no real curriculum for culinary, so I had to develop the program. You created the program. And that, That's yeah, amazing. Like that whole, got, that whole yeah. experience kind of put me in, a, in an environment where I got to like sort of create, be creative with culinary and baking and, and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and that's where, I mean, I've always loved to cook. I've always loved to bake. I've loved the holiday. You know, I'm like, yeah. you know, I like good times and parties. And But the, the the opportunity to teach, I felt it was like a, it gave me like a laboratory to work in, you know. And I started, and I knew the kids, the girls that I teach, I mean, most of them love cake decorating and like, you know, that whole thing. So it just, it was the perfect, you know, it was the perfect timing to start developing that part of my sort of creative journey. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And it was just, um, it just kind of took off from that point, really. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, I mean, it's, it's incredible to me, you're you're creating a a whole class, you're inventing your own curriculum in a school. um, And it's all around food uh, because of your own, your own, 
shall we say, experience and excellence at food. You know, and it's it's kind it's kind of amazing. But then, of course, I also read that you become involved with the Food Network, right? And is that is that later? Is that, I'm sure that's later, but yeah, that's, but that's yeah, that's actually like recent. But well, the thing with teaching this, I mean, it's not just baking cookies and decorating cakes. I mean, I had to, you know, I wanted to make sure that there was some kind of educational aspect to teaching, like nutrition, mm-hmm. food safety, oh, that's you know, like how to handle, how to handle, the, like safely handle a set of knives, like that type of thing. Oh, yeah. So I incorporate, um, and because the school's credited, I mean, it, there's obviously standards that I have as a culinary arts uh, instructor, I have to, that I have to follow. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the pro, I mean, but I, I, I don't, I kind of make it so that as they're learning nutrition and as they're learning kitchen safety, they're also, it's hands-on and they're creating, you know, executing recipes and, and they're having a really, you know, they're having a good time. And of course, Frank, Frank, food, I'm, Frank I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna pause you there because you have knowledge, you know, almost like CIA knowledge, right? So what, if, for our audiences, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make about food safety, uh, uh, spoilage, you know, taking care of food or anything, kitchen what comes to mind? What are the things that you, you, you would tell people, make sure to not do this or, or whatever, you know, if, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, you like, well, like improperly handling food, for example, not washing produce properly or cross-contaminating, you know, like cutting boards are a real culprit. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, like I teach students, like if you're cutting, let's say, raw chicken on a cutting board, you know, you either have to disinfect the board, you have a, a separate board just for that mm-hmm. or you know just different ways of protecting um the surfaces yeah. or and or even your hands i mean obviously this is before obviously before pandemic but like right. rubber gloves um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of details and sometimes they hurt, yeah and like if you're using a knife to let's say cut cut a piece of raw chicken like you're not going to use that same knife to cut let's say a piece of cheese and serve like appetizers you know what i mean like that kind of thing sure so it's just like a lot of awareness it's almost like it's almost like in the realm of chemistry right and so you're 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 in microbiology and chemistry plays a role i guess in cooking and and that's a that's fascinating to me as someone who doesn't possess this knowledge or this skill so you're you're i'm just wondering how you get from this this uh, culinary class or school to be getting on the food network i'm sure there's a lot of was it on the strength of your cakes or the yeti cake or was it yeah so it had, the way that came about was so teaching and every year, like, you know, and a lot of freedom, a lot of autonomy in teaching. So every year, like towards the holidays, it was like, okay, we need to come up with some kind of like project, class project. So over the years, it's been these gingerbread structures and every year they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And posting all this, like all the stuff that and all the other stuff that happens before and after that, um, posting using social media, Mm-hmm. just in local community pages on Instagram and, and realizing, you know, people, you know, it's, it's like another way for me to share what I love doing. The fact that I do it with students, hopefully inspiring students. I think the parents really appreciate it. Yeah. And it was, let's see, it was back last night. It was March of 2020 that I was contacted by a casting agent oh, through social wow. media on, on Instagram. Wow. And I was like, I th- at first I thought it was a scam and I never read my DMs for some reason. Okay. Back then I didn't read them. Now I read them. But yeah. I, I saw that there was a message. I read it. 
and it was a casting agent and they were casting for, in fact, I got two messages from two different companies, casting agencies looking to um, cast for two different shows. Oh, wow. So I interviewed, so I, th- I realized shortly after that this is legit and I casted for two different shows. One was the Christmas cookie challenge. Oh, wow. Which was a lot of fun. And then the other one was both on Food Network and the other one was for Holiday Wars. Holiday Wars. I, wow. Yeah. And I got I got chosen for Holiday Wars. Um, there were two other team members. One was actually from New Jersey, and the other one was from um, the West Coast. So you have and two two people was, representing the East Coast, Jersey. That's great. Yeah. Or not, I mean, that's, that's and a little bit. Um, and it was such an amazing experience. Like flying out the studio, we we filmed out of it was like a three week gig. You know, of course, because we made it to the semifinals. Otherwise, we'd have it would have been a lot shorter, but it was out in Utah. It was, it was just such an incredible experience for me. The minute and I say this, I talked about this a lot, but the minute I stepped, I had no idea what to expect. The minute I stepped onto the set with all the producers and the cameras and like, it was like, I was like, I know this is going to happen more than once for me. Like okay. I just felt like I wanted to, have, you know, it was such a great experience, but you know, and, and bringing to that experience, very a lot of the experience that I have is designing handbags. You know, oh, it's sure. not just about me. It's a work. It's collaborating with other creative people, and and the producers, and you know, and the and the judges, and other teams, wow. and that type of thing. It was great. I mean, those are complex institutions, right? Food Network, and you also, um, I, I put it that way because they're they're elaborate. There's a lot that goes into 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 something like a, a bake challenge or a holiday cookie or a um, I'm just thinking you also were involved with QVC. Is this true? Or? Yes. It's just so bizarre. All of this is so bizarre that, so when Food Network reached out to me in March, you know, it, it kind of get goosebumps thinking about this, and I'll tell you why. Yep. The factory, the company that I spoke about earlier that the guy believed in me and wanted me to launch my own line, contacted me. This was right I think right before pandemic happened, like it was in March, so yeah, 2020, and to let me know that they acquired a brand of handbags and yeah. wallets, and that they were they wanted me to work for them. They wanted me to design for them, and part of the design would be also uh, set, you know presenting it on QVC. And yeah. it was like what? You know, it seemed a little <laughs> weird. Like in the same week, I'm I'm talking with people from Food Network. And I have this opportunity to be on QVC yeah. showing the bags that I designed. It just seemed really like surreal. So I didn't really talk to them until after I came back from the Food Network trip. Uh-huh. And I started actually in August. I started designing uh-huh. um, for the line for the it's called Lotus L O D I S. L I D I S. Okay. Yeah. Which is actually there's a whole history behind that brand, but. Okay. Yeah, so the, the brand has um, recognition to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, you know, and I realized a lot easier. I mean, it's not easy, but less challenging taking mm-hmm. that approach than, you know, like Frank LaMondola handbag. Yeah. Now, the bags are great, but who is Frank LaMondola? You know what I mean? When you're competing. Well, I'm, I'm, Frank LaMondola is a great name, I have to say. You're fortunate. That's, that's you. a name. I'm going to remember that name, and that that that's that's a star worthy name. But go ahead, that's thank you. But anyway, so it was just I thought it was just interesting how it was sort of like it circles back, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, so um, 
and it just there's just a lot going on between the teaching, designing handbags. Yeah. Um, and I've been I was in L.A. for um, a couple weeks uh, as sort of an alternate for another cooking competition. But I've been interviewing. I, I definitely want to get on more of those food. Food, um, not necessarily, yeah, Food Network or Netflix or yep, Amazon. Yep. I mean, there's a whole bunch of. There are. It's it's pretty popular, actually. The whole competitive baking challenge thing. I mean, it's a it's a trend, and I think that people just really. Um, I guess I know like a lot of people that have watched the the episodes that I was on for during Holiday Wars. It was um, they were really really excited. I, it was amazing the amount of support I got around that. Yep. And even well, though I didn't quote unquote win, yeah, I still feel like I won. Well, you <laughs> won, so you, in a sense, you feel like you won because you you were there, you were on the scene, yeah, doing that, yeah, and you were in the thick of like just, I mean, that, that's to me again, it's it all fascinating to me. I'm I'm wondering, there's got to be differences between different stations and how they do things. So what what's unique to Food Network? that's different than how QVC does things or that comes to mind that, or are there similar more similarities or is there different? Well, different I mean, the whole QVC thing, it's really interesting. Their whole um, DNA, you know, is sort of like conversational. It's, it's sort of, you know, pe yes, people shop the channel. I mean, that's the point of it all, but it's more about um, connecting with the host. Okay. So it's almost like you know, like being like having someone over your home or having them okay. you know having them invite you over. But then the viewer is sort of like they're really connecting with me, my personality. It's not about it's never like a hard sell like you know these bags are competitive. You know, it's not like you're trying to sell the product. You're really selling your, yourself and your okay. expertise and your knowledge. Yeah. And. You know, and it's funny because I know a lot of people in my in the handbag industry that have been on QVC, and I, I remember just used, I used to watch it all the time just to see. I think it's like it's like sharing your passion, and this is my experience anyway so far. It's like sharing my passion, mm -hmm. like, and it's it's you know if I really believe in something and I am able, you know, I'm given the opportunity to sort of share that with people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's, you know, I don't have to, like, pretend. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is, like, I believe in it. Like, I believe yeah. in this design. I believe in this product. And I think that's what people, I think that's what the consumer responds to. Mm -hmm. And you're able to do that, I guess, at QVC. It opens up a, yeah. Do that yeah, I mean, last week, actually, I had an opportunity. I mean, even, it was an hour program, which was great. I mean, it's really great. That shows that, you know, but prior to that, they were, like, you know, you're given like these eight minute segments. So mm -hmm. it's, you can do that in eight minutes, but meanwhile, you're not speaking for the whole eight minutes. You have someone else that's talking. So like in your little, the moments, the little nips, the snippets that you yeah. have to, to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Hopefully it comes across, but, um, well, a lot, a, a lot will come across if you got, if they give you an hour, that's kind of, I'm look. I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at the Lotus website now. Uh, summer 2022. I don't know if you represented here or not, but um, um, yeah. So the so the product, yeah. So I personally think the website needs an overhaul, but I'm sure it does. Know. I'm not wasn't commenting on the, the website itself, I'm right? But, but the product on the website um is a representation of the product that I've worked on, and then the previous designer okay. who, who I happen to know and who I think is an amazing designer as well. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, the way I understand it, he just didn't have the time to dedicate to building the brand, to further building the brand that, mm-hmm. that was required. But um, yeah, I think the product, it, you know, it, it, it started targeting the, you know, like the American consumer. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value, and I'm not just going to plug for the handbag, but I really believe that the value, you know, it's value at a good price. I mean, the bags all retail under, and that's the goal, under $200. Yeah, so that's, that's something. My job is to create really great fashion. In that price pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fashion and function, because, I mean, function, yeah. that's why people carry handbags. Sure. I'm wondering, in your bio, it says you've done, you've worked with Walmart and Kmart, right? Right. So that would be an example of the most affordable or, or the, uh, I guess, the more, um, and, the more humble. Tell you, that is the most challenging because it's interesting price, it's such a price driven business. Like that's, you know, like at those, at those, at that level, at that yeah. retail level. So you need to offer the look, offer the fashion, you know, the function, yeah. but at a price. And it's really, really challenging to do it. You know, like when you have a little more room, you know, in terms of with the bag, it has to actually cloth. It, it's just a lot easier. Yeah. But that's that's where I started. I mean, when I first started yeah. in this industry, it was for those retailers like Walmart, Tar- uh, well, Target, not even Target, Target. Yeah. You know, it's like Walmart, Kmart, Sears, like real open, like opening price points. That's right. I just wanted to sort of go su- do a summer somersault turn, and so if you go from that, so what what were the example that the highest end? things that you've done if you had to go on going from the other end and the, the, the qualities of that. The highest, like I think the highest and would be actually prior to me um, launching my own brands under my own name, there was a, a couple that I got, uh, I worked with, um, where we were going to, it was a collaboration and we, were, we developed a line of handbags or I developed a line of handbags that was like high end. So it was like using exotic skins, Okay. you know, beautiful, beautiful leathers out of Italy. So the bags were retailing for like anywhere from like 900 to like 15, $2,400 right. per bag. Right. The bags were pretty, but we didn't sell any. We didn't sell <laughs> You know, it's hard. At that space, in that space, you're competing with like designer brands, oh, yeah. you know, and I think if someone's going to spend $2,400 on a bag, yeah. they're probably going to want like Gucci or Prada or something sure, like that. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I, I, I get the sense, though, I do get the sense that, you know, when you look at a real Prada bag, it, you know, in front of you, that you kind of know what went into it. You can Because you have the eye, right? You can look at it yeah. and see what makes it, you know, of course, you may use some of those things in your own work, I'm sure, some of those. I mean, yeah. It's probably a whole, that's probably a whole, I would say universe onto itself, having to do with stitching and seams or, or just, I don't know what, what materials. Yeah. So what, what, um, what well, would... I could, I could tell just picking up a bag. Yeah. Like that it's a well-made bag, like the, the feel of it, the weight of it, the, 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 the hand feel of the leather, the quality of the leather, the quality of the hardware. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, everything, that's all that goes into those high price. Um, in fact, during that time where we, I was working with, you know, collaborating on this um, higher-end piece, a uh, higher-end collection, I also have contacts in Italy. I mean, working in Italy, it's all about, I mean, the factories that I've 
with, uh, that I associate with in Italy and the material suppliers, it's all about quality. Sure. Like it's, price, it's, well, it's and you're working at, the, at yeah. that level. It's like, you don't really, price isn't really an issue because you don't want to sacrifice or compromise the quality mm-hmm. because of price. Mm-hmm. So it's different. It's a different mindset. Totally. And working at either the level I'm working at now or for sure, like Walmart and Kmart. Sure, sure. This like, is so interesting you know, to me. How did it feel when you first went to Italy, which is your home? It must have been something for you to visit, first visit Italy. My, I'm trying to think. My, oh, I do remember my first Italy trip was for handbags. Um, it was a shopping trip to, to find inspiration. And then there's, a, there's shows that take place in Milan, usually, mm-hmm. or Bologna. It's like leather shows. Like So the leather supplier, so it's... it's it's an industry thing. So my first trip, I remember, I, well, I definitely felt a connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it was exciting. I loved it. And that feeling hasn't left me at all. In fact, there was a period during the mid-90s where I was really thinking about moving to Italy. And there's a lot of the hand, especially, particularly like the Florence area, because that's where all the handbag companies are like, Many of the handbag companies are located, and a lot of the really um, Italian tanneries, like fine Italian tanneries, are located. Mm-hmm. So I thought this is the place for me. And I was studying Italian, and mm-hmm. I remember interviewing, going on interviews, and I actually had a job offer. It was some kind of the, the living situation, whatever, didn't work out. So I ended up not. And plus, I was in a relationship at the time, so it didn't work out. But um, that's part of life. I don't know. Wow. I haven't really given up on that sure. yet. I mean, you never know. In fact, I'm leaving for Italy um, late later this summer. Oh wow! Yeah, and I'm having a bunch of bags shipped, Lotus bags that are actually being shipped to Italy, mm-hmm. and we're doing a photo shoot in, on the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> so how oh, bad is beautiful. that? You know, it, it, it's, it's a, like things are great. I mean, it's like uh, there's always something to look forward to. It, I yeah. feel like in the work that I do. Isn't that where uh, Blahnik lives? That coast, isn't he? Isn't he? Or is he in? I don't know. Where I believe so. Yeah. I'm not Blahnik. Yeah. I'm just wondering. I, I sort of um. There's so many trends in food, and you're in food too. And I'm just wondering. You, you're, you know, you're making desserts. You're making um, things that are that are for entertain food for pleasure, right? Cookies and and cakes. But yeah. I imagine you have to keep up with trends in science and nutrition and, and, and styles and fashions of ingredients. What comes to mind when you when you think about all of that, you know, and sort of, I, I mean, uh, the, what, what comes to my mind is I really hate stevia and they put it in everything now. Yeah, I <laughs> and, but that, and I tried all different types, but like I have friends that are like, oh, you got to try this brand. It's like, you know what? It all tastes, it all leaves like a really nasty aftertaste. Like I don't need sweet. I'm not craving sweet that much that right. I have to use that. Like that's just me. Sure. But, um, but certainly you take yeah. note that everybody's putting stevia and everything now. It's a, yeah. it's a, that's a fashion thing. But are there things like that more seriously that, you know, you think um, ingredients that you know, this ingredient has got to be in this cookie. This ingredient has got to be the thing in this cake. Otherwise, it won't be the cake. It won't be the... What's an example of that, you know, kind of a chemistry well, thing? The one thing that comes to mind, and this is really from being on the Food Network and seeing the other um, competitor, you know, the other teams, mm-hmm. you know, because they always give you challenges. Like, you have to create something that, you know, it's sweet and sour theme or, you know, mm-hmm. and black garlic. Like, I'm not really 
sure about that, but like I think that that sounds like, and I've heard it mentioned more than once, mm-hmm. especially watching these food uh, food shows, right. where it seems like it's a trendy ingredient. Yeah. But there was one one um, contestant, one team that actually they incorporated it into their cake. Okay. And I don't think it went over well with the judges, to be honest with you, if I remember correctly. Okay. But yeah, so things like um, let me remember. Let's see what other trends. Like that seems like a current trend in food, or you know, there's a there, there's a there's a tr- hold that thought. There's a trend from. I hope it's dying out. It's still big here where I live, unfortunately. Is breadless crust? It's made out of pine nuts. Is that still going? Oh, really? Is that still? Oh, it's that awful. Delicious. Oh, you Pretty think it's delicious? Like, yeah. Well, I, I like I like a traditional crust. That's why. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, cr- I guess, oh, you mean crustless bread, and then they. They use nuts instead. Oh yeah, all that stuff and, and pies and then yeah, I don't like it, but that is a huh. trend, right? Like, well, I think the whole vegan thing. I mean, there's substitute like cauliflower, you know, like it's totally ruined cheesecake. Like, try to find, you know, I can't find a decent New York yeah. cheesecake, and I mean outside of yeah. New York because they they don't. There's no crust. It's all pine nuts, or it's or it's crustless, yeah. or it's. I actually like pine nuts, but yeah, it, there's a play, time and place for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I totally get that. But, um, yeah, like right now in um, in baking, yeah. what's really popular is um, hyper-realistic cakes. Okay. So cakes that look like almost anything, like you could think of, like a cell phone a, or oh, um, a hamburger. Or like your Yeti cake. Is like I'm that. Sorry? Your Yeti cake. You're in a Donald Snowman. Snow well, that, even more hyper-realistic. I mean, that's yeah. like a story. Like, that's telling a story. But I'm right. talking about you look at this and you, you don't realize it's a cake. Oh, okay. So it, it could be, um, I'm trying to think, it could be like a, a mug of coffee, but it's actually a cake. Yeah. Or, you know, people <laughs> that make these, these busts that look like celebrities. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's really, it's kind of creepy, actually. It is. But I say that because... It's a trend, and there's actually a, sh- a game show on Netflix. <laughs> it's called "Is Is This Cake?" and that's a whole a whole show Genre. based around that trend. It's really interesting. Wow. I don't know. Like, there's something about cutting into a dog, yeah. especially if it's my dog that I don't feel comfortable well, with. Sure. Like, yeah. if it looks that realistic, I can see like a cutesy version of it. But no, yeah, so it's, it's sort of fun. So they've done iPhones, I'm sure, right? I, I cake like an iPhone. Or a computer, yeah, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's as an art form, it's amazing because it's like, how do they create it? I mean, I just actually, in, in saying this to you, I just created a few pieces because I am being considered for one of these shows that they asked for hyper realistic cakes. Yep. So it's sort of like pushing. I was like, no, no, no. I mean, it's not my thing, but I said, all right, let me try and see what it's like, and it's actually fun. I mean, I don't know if I, I mean, I would do it if I if it got me on another show for sure. But right. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's, it is, there is a lot of interest, interesting food trends. Um, trying to think, I can't think off the top of my head because I, I do other, I, I do cooking also and I do catering. Interesting. Um, I like, yeah. And I, and especially what I love about catering and I have a, a party coming up actually this, uh, this July before okay. I leave for my trip is, it's an opportunity to cook delicious food, healthy, delicious food, mm-hmm. but to present it in a way that's really beautiful. Like I love, it's all to me. It's all about presentation. So, so this July, so, do you mind sharing with the audience what that's going to be? Do you know what that food's going to be, or what that? Oh, I do. 
because I catered the same for the same person. I did a party last year okay. in July. Um, it was it was her 60th birthday. Wow! And she asked if I could do it again, exactly the same menu again this year. Okay. Um, but for less people, so I think it's a small, intimate wedding. Wow. Um, so yeah, so the menu, I know exactly what the menu is because yeah. it's exactly what I did last year. Okay. Do you want to know what it is? Sure, of course. Okay, so the appet- some of the appetizers, I, I don't know if I remember everything. There's a lot of different things. Yeah. Appetizers I made, they were amazing crab cakes. I never made a crab cake before, mm-hmm. and they were absolutely delicious. Um, of course, it's all about using the best ingredients, in my opinion. And I made grilled peaches with, like, prosciutto and uh, I think it was goat cheese prosciutto wow. and, like, a balsamic drizzle. Yeah. I made um, lemon and leek arancini, which are, like, rice balls. It's sort of like the Italian type of thing. Um, those are really delicious. I made... What else did I make for um, appetizers? I can't think of the top of my head. Then for the main course, there's three different. I made a swordfish mm-hmm. with puttanesca sauce, which is like out of this world. That was actually my father's recipe. Oh, wow. And then I made um, a tenderloin, which is excellent. People are still talking about this food. I, I'm sure and that's for me. And then I made, what was the third thing I made? Oh, some kind of chicken. It was like a chicken stuffed with mushroom and shiitake. Um, mushroom. Mushroom. Yeah. And spinach. And shallots. Oh, and wow. um, and then the dessert was like a limoncello, yeah, uh, tiramisu. Oh, wow! And then I did like mango sorbet, and like oh, I, I carved out oranges, and I used like edible flowers, and it was just like really, really beautiful, and um, and so satisfying. I mean, I love to cook, but like so satisfying to see people enjoying it. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, as exhausting as it was, it was, a, it was pretty, I remember there was supposed to be somewhere, like two people were supposed to help me, but because of the pandemic, wow. they weren't able to make it, they were sick. Yeah. Everyone, like, at, the guests ended up helping, but oh, it was wow. fine, they were all, it was, like, very casual, but um, it was great, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Well, that's, I, that's I like a right around the corner. Different things. Yeah. But she loved it so much that she said, just please repeat what you did last year. Sure. So, I'm going to. Well, if it's if it's not broken, it's great. Do it again. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, don't. You, that, that's um. I'm getting hungry hearing about all that. I I sort of I sort of I sort of think it's really something. I mean, I'm thinking about you growing up. You you said you grew up in Jersey in, in a family of people that take food seriously. Um, yeah. What is that like? Of to so, those of us that did not aren't so fortunate. What is that? Um, I guess it's a it, food has a different meaning for you then, right? Than, than if you know. If you grew up in kind of a more Philistine kind of a food illiterate uh, background, you know, what is, what is that like growing up in, in that? Well, so I different, mean, yeah. it, I guess it depends who you, I mean, from my perspective, it's about everything evolves around food. Uh-huh. You know, like I'll, like today, I'll go visit my dad, just short visit, and it's like, did you eat? Do you want to eat? You sure you don't want to yeah. eat? Like, it's all about food. It's like, it's the nurturing, right. you know, like I, ha- I just made, I just made, this or I just made that like and if I'm not eating I'm taking food home with me so it's it's and it's always been that way so you know if it's not and we'll be eating a meal and it'll be like okay what do you what are we having for dinner tomorrow night you know it's like this, it's like almost like an obsession with food mm-hmm. um so and if you're not feeling well if you're feeling depressed or if you're you know like eat something you'll feel better right like, you know it's, it's sort of comical but like it's that type of thing. That's 
now when you talk about like special occasions like the holidays mm-hmm. it's just another excuse to make food and to plan on cooking and baking right. and that type of thing so it's it was sort of like growing up in that kind of environment yeah. which i'm trying to yeah i realized for me like you know teaching culinary it's like every day i get to, I get to cook you know yeah. truth be told like that's sort of like the story behind but you know like and like how these girls these young girls experience things that maybe they haven't tried before oh wow. you know that kind of thing you know, Frank, like, Frank it, occur, yeah. it occurs to me, this has been such an interesting uh, episode. I, if you had to think back, I don't know, this pops into my head spontaneously, of a Frank, uh, a Frank uh, purse that you designed, anything. Frank Lemondola purse that you're the most proud of. You're like, this is the purse. Is there a single purse or purses that come to mind? You're thinking, wow, I'm really, you accomplished something with that purse. And a woman, ha- woman has that purse and she's... Um, She's a, the sky's the limit. It's made her. Yeah. Well, I would have, there's two, there's, I come from two different, like there's a lot of, well, not a lot. There's a few pieces that I'm really proud that I designed. Unfortunately, those bags never got to market, but I'm Ah. so proud of them because I look at them as like works of art that I created. And then there's the bag that maybe not as exciting, you know, in terms of, like quote unquote works of art in my, you know, I'm the, I guess I'm being a little like overly critical, but, but I know, like, I'll give you an example that people respond to the other, this is just going back maybe four weeks ago. Oh, wow. I was in the, I was in the grocery store right before, you know, shop, because I usually shop for class right before school starts. Like mm-hmm. those are early and I'm in the, pushing the cart in the grocery store and I hear, I love your bag. And I turn around, and it's a woman carrying one of the bags that I presented on KBC oh, that wow. she ordered. Oh, wow. And I was sort of, like, dumbfounded because it was like I wasn't expecting it. Sure. And she was just going on and on about how great the bag was sure. and how roomy it was. And then in, in retrospect, I'm thinking to myself, I should have been, like, filming her saying all this stuff. It would have been, like, a perfect... Um, PR. Sort of, like, sure. yeah. But so that, to answer your question, like, that... I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Like, when you know, it's like you made the connection and someone really loves, and, I, you know, like, like they, they appreciate what you do, what I've created. Yeah. They went ahead and bought it, and, and they're happy with their purchase. Like, to me, that's like a home run. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really rewarding. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a great answer. I, I sort of, I mean, that's, the, that's really something, right? I mean that is an art form, clearly. Um, even though it's a it's a practical art, right? I know I see that yeah. in your bio it says that you teach the practical arts. Is that um, it's an interesting interesting um, category? Um, yeah. Certainly. So so in addition to culinary art, um, I teach fashion design. Okay. And I teach um, studio art, so it's like painting, drawing. Oh wow. Yeah. So, so you cover it all. all? I'm sorry? You're doing it all. You're covering everything there. Yeah. And it's great because, um, you know, the way the school is situated, I have two really great classrooms, like next to each other, the kitchen, and then next to the fashion room. Mm-hmm. And it's a private school. So my classes are relatively small. Mm-hmm. Like culinary, I have anywhere between 12 and 10 students yeah. per class. And then in fashion, I mean, I have like maybe six or eight 
Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's really it's it's great to work that way, and then studio thing. But um, yeah, so those are considered practical art classes, right. elective courses. Yeah. And you know, I've had students that have gone on to either you know, I had one student that um, was really interested in the in culinary, and she went on to study that further after graduating. And then I have a few fashion students that are going into fashion. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I sort of feel like it's a, this has been such a, a, a rich episode. Very, um, to me, very fascinating. Um, so even though it's been, for me, really good, all even good things come to an end, is there anything you want to express to the audience in this episode that, that you think is important as we conclude? come towards conclusion that, that about anything at all uh, that you feel you want to express or well, share with me? I, I don't want it to sound like a cliche, but, you know, just in my experience over the years, and I still feel like there's more to come, um, it's like, just I never give up. Like, I, I'm grateful. Like, first of all, I know that my creativity is a gift, and I realized just recently, over the past, I don't know, 10 years, five years, maybe, that... Like it's about sharing. It's like the like that's where it's like you give it away and you get more in return. I feel like I never. It seems like I never run out of creative energy as mm-hmm. long as I continue sharing it. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a handbag, whether it's a meal, whether it's a cake, yep. you know what I mean. And it's fun, you know. So I feel like for anyone who's listening, that's um, a creative, and it could be in acting, it could be in music, it could be, you know, you know, classical piano, I yep. mean, whatever. It's just, you know, I think that as a creative person, it's like about sharing it. Mm-hmm. Well, you've certainly shared your time and generosity with us today. And I thank you, Franklin. This has been great. Oh, this is great. Yeah. And this I, really at least, again, I like to get into the weeds, as you can tell about things. And I don't mind that um, getting into detail. So I thank you for, for doing that here. And, Absolutely. Uh, it was fun. I look forward to you sharing your passion, too, uh, further. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I don't like goodbyes, so I'll see you soon, folks. Thank you. Mm-hmm.